What's going on, family? Happy Monday. Welcome to another edition of The Faction. I hope you guys are doing well after a massive, and I do mean massive, weekend of pro wrestling. And we're going to cover, well, you know what we do. We're going to cover it here on The Faction. As always, a big thank you to everybody who joins us on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Faction Show. We wildly appreciate you guys. We also appreciate all of you who are subscribed to us on all of the spaces that you can reach us via podcast. That includes Spotify, Apple, Google. So thank you for being there. Thank you for those who have left comments. If you've not done that, leave a comment, rate us, subscribe to us. It allows others to know how much you enjoy what's happening here on The Faction. Okay, there's so much to get into in the first full weekend of March that I'm going to just jump right into it. So think about this. We had a major event at Southern Honor Wrestling this past Friday. We also had impact with a huge pay-per-view this past saturday and then last night was aew revolution throw in there live smackdown live rampage there was a lot to cover so here's what i'm gonna do i'm going to save my southern honor review for a later date but just know that it was an insane night at southern honor wrestling and when i say insane I mean insane, which included our first official death match. Crazy night, unbelievable night. And I will definitely give us some time to review that because that was insane to say the least. So that's coming. But with that said, of course, we had a big episode of SmackDown happening this past Friday night. The big news coming out of that is we now know who Pat McAfee's opponent will be at WrestleMania. And maybe I predicted it or maybe someone on our team predicted it. But Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory, I'm telling you guys, it's going to be money. You've not even seen the best of Austin Theory yet. Austin Theory on the indies, when he was in Evolve at SHW and all of those places, did some insane things. You've not seen the best of him yet. Somebody like Pat McAfee is actually going to bring out the best in Austin Theory. So with that said, I know some may go, well, why do we have so many celebrities at WrestleMania? And perhaps there's a whole separate episode that will talk about the celebrity influx at WrestleMania this year. But listen to me, Pat McAfee is not a normal celebrity getting in the ring. Pat McAfee is special. And it was, oddly enough, his match against Adam Cole. Of course, Adam Cole in the main event of AEW Revolution last night. That should tell you the level that Pat McAfee is on. So congratulations to Pat McAfee. I think we're going to have ourselves a barn burner of a match at WrestleMania. Of course, we'll keep you posted on that. One of the other big developments coming out of SmackDown is Ricochet winning the Intercontinental Championship against Sami Zayn. So I got to tell you, I didn't see that one coming. Part of me thought we were going to get Sami Zayn versus Johnny Knoxville for the Intercontinental Championship. Sounds crazy, but again, the celebrity influx at WrestleMania is a thing. It would not have surprised me to have had Knoxville fighting for the Intercontinental Championship. However, in comma, that didn't happen. 
because Sammy lost the title. I don't know. Some would go, why have Sammy have a championship reign of all of maybe two weeks? Well, my thought process behind that is Johnny Knoxville costing him the Intercontinental Championship gives perfect reason for a match, right? I mean, Sammy would already eliminated Johnny from the Royal Rumble, so that couldn't be a thing. But costing him the Intercontinental Championship, that's a thing. Makes sense. I get it. And more importantly, I'm glad that one of the most prestigious championships in all of WWE and all of wrestling is not being battled for by a celebrity. Now, this is also good for Ricochet. Perhaps this is the opportunity for Ricochet to really be the Ricochet that a lot of us know that he can be. The same Ricochet that Lucha Underground was built around. The same Ricochet that shook up the world with his battles with Will Ospreay. If we get that ricochet as the Intercontinental Champion, we've got something special on our hands. So those are some of the major developments coming out of SmackDown, sticking with WWE very, very quickly. We knew Saturday night was going to be a big card at Madison Square Garden. There was talk that Bobby Lashley was supposed to be fighting for the WWE Championship, but Lashley is out, so that's not happening. It didn't happen. Instead, Austin Theory got the title shot. Austin Theory obviously lost to Brock Lesnar, but the big news is the big attack coming from Roman and the bloodline, leaving Brock laying and then holding up both championship belts standing over Brock. I'm just going to tell you now that scares me and here's why it scares me because there's a big part of me that wants Roman Reigns to walk out as the champ champ, the unified champ, the man that they build this company around. But I don't know that that's going to happen now because I think we got the preview of it. So I don't want to make my WrestleMania predictions just yet. But I'm getting nervous that Brock Lesnar could beat Roman Reigns and unify the championships at WrestleMania. Ah, yeah. Okay. So with that said, uh, let's move over to Impact. Okay. Impact had a big pay-per-view that streamed live on Impact Plus. It was called Sacrifice. And Impact is back on the road, which let me just say this. When Impact is on the road, when all of these other shows are traveling, this is a good thing for the sport. And if anything, this weekend really proved just how healthy the sport of pro wrestling currently is. So Sacrifice took place in Louisville, Kentucky at the Old Foresters Paris Town Hall. And I'll tell you this, the crowd was jumping. It was a full crowd, sold out, literally packed to the rafters. I love seeing this for Impact Wrestling. Got a shout out, of course, Matthew Raywald. Of course, we know him for his work with Rusev in WWE, giving us Rusev Day, always great stuff. And Tom Hannafin, the former Tom Phillips. And so they're a great team, which by the way, I think they're kind of the permanent team right now in Impact. D'Lo Brown is out. Matt Stryker, of course, is out. Honestly, I think this tandem is a good tandem for impact, okay? I just do. I think they sound great. They work really well together. Great chemistry. 
So we started off with Giselle Shaw versus Lady Frost. If you're unfamiliar with Giselle Shaw, she was a big part of the Progress Women's Division, which you could see that on the WWE Network these days. She did some great work over there, including winning the Progress Women's Championship. So it's nice to see her stateside. She did get her first loss against Lady Frost. Rich Swan and Willie Mack defeat Honor No More, which is the team of Matt Taven and Mike Bennett. That was all in the pre-show. Then we get to the main show where Trey Miguel successfully defends the X Division Championship against Jake Something. Eddie Edwards defeats Rhino. It was a night of championship changes as the influence Madison Rain and Tennille Dashwood defeat the inspiration Cassie Lee and Jesse McKay formerly known as the Iconics to win the Knockouts World Tag Team Championships in a barn burner of a big man match Jonah defeats PCO Jay White defeats Alex Shelley as student defeats the teacher in a champ champ challenge Diana Perrazzo successfully defended the ROH Women's World Championship against Chelsea Green, and it looks like Chelsea Green is out again for injury on that wrist. One of the big pieces of news, though, is Tasha Steeles defeats Mickey James to become the new Knockouts World Champion. We have new tag team champions as Violent by Design, Eric Young and Joe Doring defeat the Good Brothers, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson. And in the main event, Moose successfully defeats Heath to retain the world championship and then making his shocking return is Josh Alexander. So again, big news items coming out of Impact Wrestling. A lot of title changes. Gotta shout out Tasha Steeles for the massive win against Mickey James. A huge, huge move for Tasha Steeles. Really excited for her. She was one half of the Knockouts Tag Champions with Kiera Hogan, part of a team called Fire and Flavor just a couple of years back. And now she is really doing Doing her thing as the knockouts women's champion shout out to tasha steels a great night of action for impact and again when impact is winning everybody is winning and so i'm super excited for all that impact brought to the table saturday night so we've kind of moved quickly through what happened with wwe and we moved quickly with what happened with impact when we come back it's time for us to dig into aew revolution Southern Honor Wrestling is now on IWTV. Relive the biggest moments and memories from SHW's historic first year. I'm in Dallas here at Southern Honor Wrestling. Chris what Jericho is here and can't watch out. It's going on. Oh, my God. Give me a minute. Oh, man. Over you. Oh. Because we're just getting started. Don't miss another second of SHW, the fastest growing independent promotion in the Southeast. Check out Southern Honor Wrestling now at independentwrestling.tv. New subscribers use promo code SHW to get five free days. SHW, this is our wrestling. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? 
well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How did we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here. A few minutes later, it was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year's going to be mine. COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it would read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a win, all right, guys, so it's safe to say that we're about to give you some spoilers. If you have not already seen AEW Revolution and you want to see it in its entirety and you've stayed away from the socials, then you might want to press pause on this podcast. Go watch the pay-per-view and then come back and check out our review of it. If you've already watched it or you've seen results or you just want to hear our take on it, keep listening because I promise you it's going to be something special. So AEW brought us AEW Revolution last night coming to us from Orlando, Florida, their first time in Orlando for a pay-per-view. And that's significant for a few reasons. Of course, Jacksonville, Florida for years had somewhat been the home of AEW, the birthplace of AEW, certainly where AEW filmed for the bulk of the pandemic, and it is still considered home whenever they come back to Florida. However, they've not performed in Orlando before, and Orlando, of course, is the home of WWE. You've got the Performance Center there, NXT, all of those things. None of that, and I mean none of that, meant anything in this context because the arena was sold out. Orlando was jumping for AEW last night, and it was incredible. And I should mention also that they also held Rampage there Friday night, a live edition. And the big news coming out of that, 
two things. One, the debut of Eric Redbeard, formerly known as Eric Rowan, who showed up there to ultimately join Death Triangle in what would be a big battle last night against the House of Black. We'll talk about that. And Christian Cage qualified for the Face of the Revolution ladder match, which also took place last night. So that's the big news out of Rampage, leading us into the big Revolution pay-per-view. So let's start with results because you had the buy-in, which saw Layla Hirsch defeat Chris Statlander to become a top contender for the AEW Women's World Championship. The ever-popular Hook defeated his trainer, QT Marshall. Then you had the House of Black in a big, big six-person tag match. They got the big win over Death Triangle. Then getting into the pay-per-view itself, Eddie Kingston defeats Chris Jericho in an insane match for the Tag Team Championships. Jurassic Express defeated Red Dragon and the Young Bucks to retain their title. Wardlow won the Face of the Revolution ladder match. Jade Cargill is now 29-0, defeating Tay Conti to retain the TBS Championship. CM Punk defeated MJF in the Dog Collar match. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, retained her championship, the AEW Women's World Championship against Thunder Rosa. John Moxley defeated Brian Danielson. Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Sting defeated the AHFO. And in the main event, Hangman Adam Page successfully retained the AEW World Championship against Adam Cole. There were so many moments to this, and I'm going to start by saying this. One of the things that AEW is doing right, and they have not missed from day one, has been the way they execute pay-per-views. They made a clear decision at the top of the year that they were going to do four pay-per-views a year, which we have always said that WWE is too pay-per-view heavy. A pay-per-view a month, given the fact that we have five hours of WWE television, not counting NXT, that's a lot to ask. And so with that said, with AEW, we get three hours a week, which is two hours on Wednesday, one hour on Friday, not counting AEW Dark, so that when they do pay-per-view, pay-per-view is special. And I just want to park here and say this, that is the design of pay-per-view. If you go back to when pay-per-view began for WWE and for NWA, it was a special moment right? It wasn't something that you would normally see on your regular weekly television program. It was when you brought out the best of the best, the biggest matches, the most stacked cards. That's what that was. And people were working towards pay-per-view. Pay-per-view has become so common, certainly in the world of WWE, that unfortunately, some days the best things aren't even reserved for pay-per-view and the pay-per-views aren't necessarily special. Now, with that said, AEW, of course, they do pay-per-view four times a year. They're asking for $49.95, which they only ask for four times a year. So I don't think that that's a bad investment given the way they always come through in pay-per-view. The Revolution pay-per-view historically has always been special. If you go back to the first Revolution, there was talk of, at that time, the greatest tag match, certainly in AEW history, the Young Bucks against, ironically, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page for the world titles when Hangman Page and Omega retained the titles. That was also the 
night that Chris Jericho would lose the AEW World Championship against John Moxley. And speaking of Moxley, Moxley seems to always be associated with Revolution. Revolution in 2021 was special because it was one of the first pay-per-views where AEW started bringing fans back. It was only at 25% capacity. I had the pleasure of being there along with my V3 family from SHW. And it was a special night indeed. Now, most of us will remember it for a few things. It marked the debut for AEW for Christian Cage. And it also marked that barbed wire death match that was happening between Kenny Omega and John Moxley. The exploding barbed wire death match where, well, the end, things didn't exactly explode like we thought they would. But AEW has given us so much great content that most of us probably forgot about that. So... Here we are, Revolution 2022, and again, they bring us amazing pay-per-view moments, right even from the buy-in. The buy-in had three matches, which is most unusual. Usually there's one, maybe two, and a lot of promo. Three big, significant matches there, and I'll tell you, that trios match was insane. I mean, insane. Great seeing Eric Redbeard in an AEW ring, He ended up taking the fall, which makes me wonder if he's actually signed to AEW or if this is kind of a one-off, which tends to happen at times in AEW. So there's that. Hook is just a thing, okay? I mean, he is just a thing. I'm telling you, he is a massive star, and it is beautiful to get to watch this star rise. It is like literally watching a great meal being prepared before us that's not in the microwave, but we're watching something marinate and it is great. And let me just say this, I appreciate that AEW is not force feeding storylines down our throats and they're not rushing them either, but they're letting things cook. They're letting things make sense. And I think that's a great, great thing. With that said, I also got this feeling when I thought about the length of the pay-per-view. The pay-per-view without the buy-in was close to four hours. With the buy-in, you're dealing with almost a five-hour pay-per-view. And some might say, that is too long. However, what I think they're doing, I think AEW is giving us what I call the New Japan model. And the New Japan model gives their matches time to breathe. Not only does it give their matches time to breathe, it's not meant, and I'm going to say this carefully, It's not meant for the, quote, sports entertainment fan, okay? And that's not a knock to WWE. I want to be clear. I don't have to knock WWE to praise AEW, and I want to make sure that we get in the space where we don't do that. Instead, it's important to recognize the difference. And as Vince McMahon so very eloquently stated on his interview with Pat McAfee on Thursday, he feels like he doesn't want to call the wrestlers in WWE wrestlers because he feels like they're being trained to be more than that. They're trained to be entertainers and he calls them superstars. And that's okay. I think it's okay to like Flash and like entertainment and also like the sport. So, With that said, I think the palette for what is needed and what is appreciated is different because they're offering two different products. So with that said, the pay-per-views in AEW are designed for fans who really, really love wrestling. I do think they are a little long, but with that said, it is also a space where if you're going to pay $50, you're going to get your money's worth. And I'm okay with that. I'm totally, totally okay with that. 
So with that said, each match got great time, got to tell an amazing story. Eddie Kingston, Chris Jericho, what a match. Sheesh, what a match. What a story that's been told. And again, getting a big win for Eddie Kingston, I think is huge. And I think we're seeing kind of the unraveling of Chris Jericho. Seems like Chris Jericho could be returning to the heel Chris Jericho which that's not a bad thing either, right? So that's definitely a big thing. So let's talk about this tag team title match. The tag title match was just nuts. It was just absolutely nuts. And in watching it, I just sat back and said to myself, you have to be incredibly athletic to be a part of AEW. You're not gonna come in AEW and just stand in a corner. You're gonna have to move. And I think this is one of the reasons why they call it all elite wrestling. What a match, an insane match. And I feel like what it did is it established Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus really as a true tag team and as an elite tag team. Some might argue they are more of an entertainment tag team. Can't say that anymore because they had an amazing match defeating the Young Bucks and Red Dragon. Great things. I don't think we've seen the last of the of the Young Bucks and Red Dragon in that story, but shout out to Jurassic Express. Definitely a big moment. Before I continue with getting into what actually happened in the matches, there are other things that happened that I thought were equally big. We saw a number of debuts and new faces. So I mentioned Eric Redbeard for one. How about the signing of Swerve the Realist, aka Shane Strickland? Now, I just saw Swerve literally two weeks ago at Terminus and it was amazing to see he's got all of these great dates on the indies and there had been rumors that he was signed to AEW but nobody could quantify it until now so a massive signing and again it's interesting because I think in watching that pay-per-view last night you can start to see the delineation between who's going to really be top shelf for AEW and then who might end up being a part of Ring of Honor if Ring of Honor is indeed the developmental end of AEW. With that said, that announcement came after the ladder match that saw Wardlow win the face of the Revolution ladder match. So I'm going to just say this now. I'm not, first of all, shout out to my good brothers, Russell Mex and A Dazzle, aka Black Wrestling Alliance, who allow me to be a part of their Wrestle Extra program every first Tuesday. You can check it out on YouTube. It's amazing. It's broadcast in the UK and all over the world. And we had a chance to talk about our predictions for Revolution. And there was a prevailing thought that we wanted to see Keith Lee win. But if he didn't, who did it make sense to have win? And the answer really was Wardlow. So I wasn't mad that Wardlow won the match. And I do think that it keeps Keith Lee in a good place. In fact, I think we might be moving to a Keith Lee powerhouse Hobbs program, which I wouldn't be mad at that. I think that's a great space. And I thought about this, too, as I was watching Adam Cole last night to consider Adam Cole getting a shot at the AEW World Championship in March. And he debuted, of course, at All Out or All In. I always get him confused. I'm going to get it right one of these days at the All Out pay-per-view. It made me think September, October, November, December, January, February, March. So literally it was six months before Adam Cole got a world title shot. That makes sense. 
And it says to me that they're not going to just automatically shoot somebody up the card. So I think we're going to get the opportunity to see Keith Lee really bake, really show himself, not get too much too soon. For instance, Jay Lethal's first match was for the TNT Championship. I don't want that for Keith Lee. I'd rather Keith Lee do his work and then come in and get an opportunity at a championship. With that said, I think Wardlow's going to be the first person to win the face of the Revolution ladder match and actually win the TNT championship. The only thing that stops that is MJF. And now that MJF's feud with CM Punk seems to be over after that insane dog collar match, it's a move that makes sense that if Wardlow doesn't win, it's because of MJF. Just armchair booking here. I don't know, but either way, it was a great ladder match, and it was something, again, that made sense for AEW. I love it. So let's talk about this TBS championship match between Jade Cargill and Ty Conti. The world is talking about the start of that match, and if you didn't see it, it's all over the socials, so go to the socials and check it out. But wow, wow, wow. I'm just going to leave that there. So between the start of the match, the middle of the match, the end of the match, wow, <laughs> wow. I'll say this. I think it was a great test for Jade Cargill. Great match for Ty Conti. Uh, Ty Conti, of course, who spent some time in NXT before coming over to AEW. She's really growing as a competitor. Jade Cargill is absolutely special. She's a real life superhero. She just got her first action figure over the weekend. She is a special talent and we're getting to watch really again. And, and this, I think, is the beautiful thing of what's happening in AEW. For all of the criticism that they have gotten for welcoming former WWE superstars, I think they are building their own stars in AEW. I mean, whether you're talking about Hook, Orange Cassidy, who had a bit of a cachet, but of course that's gotten much, much bigger in AEW, Jade Cargill, and there are others. And so I think here's what's special. And we've talked before about some similarities between AEW and WCW. I'm sure Courtney's gonna get mad at this point, but WCW literally built one star, I'll be fair and say two, okay? But I really say one, that one being Goldberg. The second one that came to mind was Booker T, but truth be told, Booker T was a bit of a star before he came to WCW, started his chops, of course, in World Class and several others before becoming part of WCW in the tag team Harlem Heat and then ascending to a solo competitor. Goldberg came in from scratch. And so when I look at people coming in from scratch in AEW already, I look at Hook, I look at Jade Cargill as not just stars, but mega stars. You could probably also add Jungle Boy to that. You can add the rising star of MJF. You know, this is some big stuff. And so AEW has its own crop of homegrown stars. And yeah, so I think that puts them in a special place. And getting to watch the rise of Hook, the rise of Jade Cargill, that's special. And I hope we are really getting to enjoy the rise of that and, and all of the things that they're doing. The dog collar match with CM Punk and MJF, 
masterfully told. And what I think was great about it is the pace of that. So many of the other matches that we saw before were so fast paced. We needed something to alter our palate. And so CM Punk and MJF were very deliberate. It was a violent match and there was a lot of violence that night. But it was a violent match, a bloody match, but it took its time. And I think that was needed given the pacing of everything else that happened on this pay-per-view. So shout out to them. I'm intrigued to see what happens next. And a shout out to CM Punk for his throwback to the Ring of Honor days. And so if you didn't know about CM Punk during that time, you got to really learn about that CM Punk last night at Revolution. Shout out to him. Britt Baker, Thunderosa for the AEW Women's World Championship. So I'll say this. This is a rivalry that I think is a great rivalry. I think it deserved a payoff, but it didn't get it. And I think, I don't know if it was just because the rest of the card was so stacked, but this match, I don't think lived up to what it could have. I think it could have been a bigger, better match. But with that said, I think I understand where the payoff is coming. I think the payoff is coming in two weeks in San Antonio, which is Thunder Rosa's hometown. She's got to go through legit Layla Hirsch this Wednesday at Dynamite to once again become the number one contender. I think there has to be a payoff for Thunder Rosa. So I think Thunder Rosa perhaps becomes the women's champion, not this week, but next week in her hometown of San Antonio. If she doesn't, let's put a nice little bow on this war and call it over, okay? But that wasn't their best match last night, and I don't know, but it, something just wasn't clicking for me. And so I definitely hope that they're able to get that back together. No knock to either of them. They're both great wrestlers. It could have been just the timing of it. It could have been it being placed after so many other great matches. I don't know, but yeah, that was tough. Follow that with John Moxley and Brian Danielson, a match that I could have watched for much, much longer. It was pretty incredible to say the least. The ending of it seemed a little weird until I saw the overhead view. At first, I thought maybe Moxley's feet were under the ropes, but they weren't. Great way to beat Brian Danielson. Physical match, but who saw this coming? The debut of William Regal. I thought legit we were going to see Regal in Ring of Honor. I didn't expect to see him in AEW. So that was huge. And then this idea that he's bringing Danielson and Moxley together. If you have a faction or a stable where Regal has those two together and they are working on new stars, Wow, wow, wow. Another missed opportunity from WWE that is going to work amazingly in AEW. So if that's where this is going, I'm loving it. It was jaw-dropping. It was shocking. It was beautiful. I loved it. That takes me back, by the way, to the Swerve debut. Sorry, I just have to mention this this way. I hate the fact, and I don't think Tony Schiavone meant to do it, but he gave it away when on the contract he's waving it around and it says swerve on it i think i don't know if he could have if they could have put something over that or if he could have strategically just held it where it didn't face the camera uh he probably wasn't thinking about it no knock to tony shivani ever but that was something that really could have 
kept the surprise a bit easier because at that point, everybody's screaming swerve. I saw it clearly. I know the rest of the world saw it clearly. So, yeah, there's that. So the William Regal piece wasn't spoiled and I don't think it was predictable as well. So shout out to them. Okay, so this I I was wondering how this uh, trios match was going to happen with Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, Sting against the AHFO, which, by the way, I think this team of Hardy and Andrade and uh, Isaiah Cassidy makeshift, even though they're all a part of a team together. Yeah. But it was wild. It was crazy. It was nuts. Sammy Guevara and Isaiah Cassidy doing a Spanish fly off the top of the set through a table on. Oh, God. Oh, uber dangerous, uber crazy. And then 62 year old Sting jumping off of the rafters through three tables. What is really going on here? It's crazy. It's crazy. Crazy. I don't expect to see either of them anytime soon. But Sammy's got to defend the TNT Championship Wednesday night. Good luck with that. What a nutty and crazy match for sure. Uh, you know, for those who thought Sting was done in WWE, clearly he's not because he's doing more now in AEW than he did in his final run with WCW. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. What a match. And then Adam Cole, Adam Page. I think Adam Cole can do no wrong. I actually think this was the right move as much as I want to see Adam Cole as the AEW world champion. I think it's the right move to continue to solidify Adam Page as the guy in AEW. He's proving that now was the right time, that he's got all of the right things in place. I'm glad he did not win the title back at all out in 2019. I'm glad that they let this marinate. I'm glad that they let the story be told. I think he's definitely ready. The people are behind him and he's a great champion. He has beat some big names to really establish himself as a world champion. So who's next for him? I don't know, but I think there are other things for Adam Cole to do that doesn't require him being the AEW world champion right now. And yeah, I still want to see what's going to happen between him, Red Dragon, a.k.a. the Undisputed Era, and the Young Bucks, the Elite. Like, there's a lot of story places to go with it. But all in all, an incredible pay-per-view from AEW. They just get it. And uh, I loved it. So I want to get your thoughts on the AEW pay-per-view revolution. Let us know on the socials at The Faction Show. Hope you guys enjoyed this somewhat supersized edition as we are certainly recapping a massive weekend in the world of pro wrestling and still a lot of big events to come. Of course, WWE has WrestleMania on the way. But before that, we've got the Crockett Cup coming from the NWA in about a week and a half, two weeks, and all sorts of things could happen this week. It's just been a big, big time in the world of pro wrestling. So we'll continue to bring you all of that great news for sure. So until next time, family representing for my good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the EP, the fourth horseman, John Murray. My name's GP Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. Salim.